welcome to episode 124 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about God's overwhelming provision. Let's dive in. Today, I've been freshly thinking about God's provision. It's interesting that word provision has this idea of going before and seeing. In other words, it's seeing something beforehand and therefore making necessary supply or providing something for the need. And I love this idea specifically in Genesis chapter 22. In the story, Abraham has asked by God to really sacrifice his only begotten son. And there's a beautiful Christophany in this and the fact that here is God asking Abraham to do the very thing that God is going to be doing later on with Jesus Christ. So God looks at Abraham and says, hey, I want you to travel for three days to the mountain that I'm going to show you. And so Abraham grabs his son, Isaac, his beloved son. It really is his only begotten son. And he takes his son on a three-day journey. Now they come to this mountain, Mount Moriah. And as they get to the base of the mountain, Isaac looks at his father and says, Dad, um, where's the lamb? Like, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham replies, well, we can trust God. God will supply the lamb, that he will supply, supply the sacrifice. And it says, I love this idea. It says that Abraham put the wood upon the back of Isaac, and Isaac carried the wood of his own sacrifice up the mountain. Now, that's not by accident. And we know that because When you get into the person of Jesus, here's Jesus, the only begotten son of the father. And he literally takes the wood upon his back and he climbs a mountain. In fact, when you study Mount Moriah, it's interesting that it is the very hill that Jesus was crucified upon. I mean, it's just a beautiful story of what God was asking Abraham to do. Now, Abraham gets on top of the mountain and he grabs his son and he basically takes his son and builds the altar and puts the wood upon the altar and then places Isaac upon the wood, binds his hands, and in overwhelming trust of his God, Abraham raises the knife and is about to sacrifice Isaac. Now, we often forget that this is also a trust venture for Isaac. In the passage, it has this idea in the Hebrew that he was a lad or a young man, so likely probably between the ages of somewhere between 5 and and the ages of 12. So somewhere in there, you realize he's cognizant of what's going on. He knows he's being offered as a sacrifice. And he's having to trust his father just as Abraham is trusting God. Now, as Abraham is about to bring the knife down, you know the story. But God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, stop what you're doing. I've actually made provision for you. And there's a ram in the thicket. And it's interesting in Genesis 22, God reveals one of his names. And I've mentioned this before in past episodes, but this idea of a name is not just a name. A name represents a character, the the nature, the attitude, the substance, the life of an individual. So when God reveals his names, he's not just saying, yeah, I want you to call me this. Yeah, that's true. But he's also revealing his character or his nature. And God says, I am Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And I love this idea that God is a God of provision. He's the one that sees in advance and makes supply for the need. In this case, here's Abraham about to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And what does God do? 
Sometime in advance, he grabs this ram and causes the ram to climb up the mountain and get stuck in the bush that was behind Abraham. Do you realize that God is a God of supply and provision? Do, do we recognize that God is looking beforehand in all of our lives and making provision for what we need? There are countless stories in scripture that reveal this idea. But perhaps one of my favorites is the story of Moses going to the Red Sea. He just went through the 10 plagues in Egypt and Pharaoh let his let the people go and Moses takes the Israelites and they leave Egypt. Now here they are. They have mountains on two sides, a Red Sea in front of them, and the Egyptian armies now coming down the back. Now, as Moses is standing there in front of the Red Sea, he has complete confidence in God and God's provision. Now, this isn't in the biblical record, but when you look at the Jewish historian Josephus, Josephus writes about this event where Moses is standing at the Red Sea. And I want to give this to you. This is such a powerful statement. Again, it's not scripture, but Josephus is writing about the event that took place. And this is how Josephus explained it. He says, now when the Egyptians had overtaken the Hebrews, they prepared to fight them. And by their multitude, they drove, drove them into a narrow place. For the number that pursued them was 600 chariots with 50,000 horsemen and 200,000 footmen, all armed. They also seized on the passages by which they imagined the Hebrews might fly, shutting them up between an inaccessible precipices and the sea. The Hebrews, if they should have thought of fighting, had no weapons. They expected a universal destruction unless they delivered themselves up into the Egyptians. So they laid the blame on Moses and forgot all the signs that had been wrought by God for the recovery of their freedom. And this so far, that their incredulity prompted them to throw stones at the prophet while he encouraged them and promised them deliverance. But Moses, though the multitude looked fiercely at him, did not, however, give over to the care of them, but despised all dangers only of his trust in God. And he declared, it is no better than madness at this time to despair of the providence of God. Don't you love that statement? Here is Moses looking at the, at the Red Sea, and he notices that this Egyptian army is coming against them. There's mountains on two sides. They can't go anywhere. And the entire Israelite nation, which most scholars suggest there is probably between two and three million Israelites, that this whole nation was starting to grumble and say, Moses, what did you do? You let us out of Egypt. Now we're going to be slaughtered. And Moses and his overwhelming trust of his God declares, come on, guys, it is no better than madness to despair in the providence of God at this time. Do you not recognize that God has really saved us from the hands of the Egyptians? God just did these 10 plagues and we have left Egypt. And now you're going to despair? You don't think God can take care of us? I love Moses' confidence, his boldness, his audacity, his faith, and his trust in his God. Which really just begs the question, do I have that kind of faith with God? I might be facing circumstances and situations and difficulties, but do I trust in the provision of my God? Or do I well and moan in my concern and say, I, I've never been through this like this and, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do and I don't know if I'll ever get out of this. And I love reading missionary stories. And one of the reasons is I love seeing these crazy situations and dangers and conflicts that they find themselves in. And what I love most about a good missionary story 
is that in the height of the danger, in the height of the craziness, in the lack of the financial supply or the lack of just whatever that they were facing, that I love it when they place their overwhelming focus, trust, and faith in their God. And it's like they're declaring to the world saying, watch what my God is going to do. If you ever read George Mueller, George Mueller constantly was in a situation where he had no finances. And he made a statement early on in his ministry that I'm never going to be asking people for money, that I'm going to pray and trust in God to provide all that we need for the, for the orphanages. And at one time in his life, he had several thousand orphans under his care. And yet never once did he ask for donations. He trusted in the supply of his good heavenly father. And time after time after time again, he was just saying, look what God's doing, that I can trust in the provision of my God. Can I ask you, what is it that you're going through? What difficulties or trials or financial hardships or family chaos or whatever it may be, what is it that you're going through? And are you concerned? Are you worried? Are you freaking out? Or are you at peace? And are you having this joy that's bubbling up within you? Because despite the perspective of the world or despite what is going on in the physical, natural realm, you know that God has a plan, that he's not just going to leave you alone in the middle of this crazy situation, but in his sovereignty and in his providence, that he is looking ahead. He's providing, he's seeing beforehand the need that we have, and he is bringing about a solution. Now, that solution is rarely in our own time frame. Sometimes he makes us go through a season where we just seem like, God, where, where what's going on? Where are you? What, where's the supply going to come from? And yet it is in those seasons when we see God's supply that the richness, that the, the depth of our faith just expands. You realize that God easily could have told Abraham, hey, I have a ram up on the mountain for you. Don't even worry about it. And yet Abraham would not have come to the point of overwhelmingly trusting in God's supply and provision. And yet God had a supply and a provision and a, and a plan right in the middle of this whole thing. So like Moses, can I encourage you, don't despair in this moment, no matter what you're going through, because God is Jehovah Jireh. He is a God who provides. He's a God who sees in advance and provides, supplies the need. Well, I just want to close with this thought from Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon wrote in the Sword and Trowel in 1868, this great statement. Spurgeon says, In the unknown future, the days of darkness shall be many. Rains will descend, floods will arise, the winds will blow, and blessed shall he be whose house is built upon a rock. Crosses will be laid upon you for every hour, and cares will molest every day. Pilgrims of earth, you must hold yourselves ready to to traverse thorny ways, which your feet have not trodden heretofore. Have your loins well girt about you lest the trials of the wilderness should come upon you unawares. Your road leads over the barren mountain's storm-vexed height, and anon it drives into the swampy, sunless valleys. And along it all, you must bear more or less of affliction's heavy load. Arm yourself with patience and faith, for you will need them every step of the march to Jerusalem the Golden. So surely has the whiny, wintry moans deep and hollows over the leafless grove. Tribulation will await you frequently, For man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Adversity is an estate 
enthralled upon the sons of Adam. Learn this before it comes to pass, that when it is come to pass, you may not be surprised with any amazement. Now, listen to this final little statement. Onward, soldiers of the cross, where Jesus has led the way. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath you are the everlasting arms. You are not called upon to to go to a warfare at your own charges. Neither are you left alone in the battle. The banner which waves over you bears this sure a sounding motto, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Don't you love that quote? Spurgeon is saying it's not going to be an easy road. Hey, there's going to be dangers and toils and difficulty along the way. But do not fear because the banner that waves over you is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Well, I hope that's an encouragement for you. For show notes of this episode, including those quotes that I read earlier, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 124 for episode 124. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you put your trust, faith, and hope in Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides.